the uh, the right uh, the right demonstration of that of this unity uh, that we have in Christ Jesus. Um, and I was thinking and preparing for this um, for the message this morning, and I was so happy when God confirmed in my heart uh, the topic and the the, the topic that we're going to unfold in the next uh, few weeks, uh, next few Sundays. Uh, and I was thinking, and the, the main reason that I was thinking about this series is that, um, especially because of this COVID-19 outbreak, a lot of our plans and a lot of our ideas for this year have completely stalled. Everything that we were planning and imagining our year was going to be like completely changed all of a sudden. And um, even holidays or in the really good plans that we had for this year, uh, we, we imagine that it's not going to be possible for, for them to happen. Um, but there are things in life that are more important than uh, our own plans. There are things in life that uh, are more important than of our ability even to leave our home. Uh, there are things in life um, that make everything worthwhile. So one of the things that we do during this pandemic is that we go back to the essentials. We go back to the things that are mo more important. Uh, as the government decided uh, which stores to close, which businesses uh, needed to close, one of the things that they did is that they said supermarkets and factories and agriculture had to remain open. And the reason is simple is that those are fundamental things for a society to work. These are fundamental things for, uh, for us to continue being alive. So even many of us during this outbreak, this was our action most of the days. We had to go back to the things that are essential, to the things uh, that give meaning, to the things that give purpose in our hearts and lives. So in this message series called Abide, we're going to start by unfolding the uh, John chapter 15, a very beautiful chapter um, where Jesus used imagery that was very familiar to the first century Israel, the image of a vine. And throughout this mini his ministry, Jesus used uh, nature, the nature that was around him, uh, to teach us important spiritual things. Jesus was next to a well when he told the Samaritan woman, I can give you living water. Uh, Jesus was uh, also um, multiplying bread that fed thousands and thousands of people. And right after that experience, he told his disciples, I am the bread of life. And it's so beautiful to see Jesus' teaching style. He took of everything that was around him to teach spiritual truths. And here we see Jesus um, probably walking through a vineyard with his disciples when uh, we come to this chapter 15 of John, and he unfolds very important spiritual truths for you and me to hold on. Uh, so uh, this morning, I want you to picture Jesus with his disciples, just walking in a very beautiful land, walking by a, a vineyard. And I have a picture of when Gabby and I, we visited South Africa last year. Gabby was pregnant with Jade, so in a way, Jade already visited South Africa. And we visited a region called Stellenbosch that has so many beautiful vineyards. And this is just a picture of one of the vineyards we visited. It's completely amazing. I think it's the most beautiful vineyard I've ever been to. So as you picture 
Jesus walking with his disciples in this vineyard. Imagine him in a, a landscape like this. Imagine him uh, taking in the beauty of his own creation and telling his disciples something that is very mean, meaningful. So let's read the first three verses. You can open your Bibles. Uh, we're going to go through some different translations, but feel free to accompany in your own Bible. Um, and please grab a notebook if you have, take notes, because this is the Word of God, and we want to uh, embrace, we want to grasp everything He has in store for us this morning. So let's read the first three verses. And Jesus told His disciples as He was probably walking by a vineyard, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And that just, let's dwell in just these three verses on this Sunday. And I, I want you to envision Jesus. Jesus is, is, is saying, I am the true vine. And, and Jesus is comparing himself to something that his own hands have created. And I can't imagine Jesus, because Jesus is the reason of the whole universe. Jesus, when he created the vine, he knew exactly that he was going to compare himself to the vine. He was going to describe with the help of the vine the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. And this is so beautiful because we know that all of God's creation reflects, transmits the character of God. Everything that God has ever created preaches about Him, brings Him glory. And that's why it's so good for us. Um, and this is what we have done during this outbreak. From time to time we go to a park nearby. We want to be in contact with nature. And I think we can all acknowledge, especially us, that we live in the city, that from time to time, it's so good to get out of the city, to of seeing all these houses and buildings, and we want to be in nature. Because in nature, we can see clearly God's fingerprint. We, we can see everything and appreciate everything that God has ever created. Instead of all these things that are man-made and confusing, and if you are in Lisbon, it can be good to live in the city, don't get me wrong, but from time to time, you need to get a break. You need to go to Monsanto. You need to go to Sintra. You want to go to Qashqais because you want to see the beauty of God's creation. And we have, and that's the reason why, why when we are in nature, we get so much peace and comfort because nature is talking so much about our God. Nature is transmitting the character uh, and the glory of God. And I love this expression. I am the true vine. What Jesus says that all of us were made to be connected to him. This connection that we have in Jesus is the one that transmits life and meaning to us. And Jesus didn't say, I am the vine. Jesus said, I am the true vine. He is saying that there's nothing else in this universe that we can connect ourselves to that can be compared to Jesus. Nothing else is as essential, as fundamental as Him. And this is very deep theology. 
If you really want to acknowledge the depth of this, Charles Spurgeon explained what Jesus was speaking about himself. Jesus is saying that he is the essence. He is the truth of all things that exist. Jesus is the true vine. And when I declare that with my heart and life, I'm not just saying that Jesus is my true vine. I am declaring that Jesus is the true vine of all the universe, of everything that has ever been created. Jesus is the fundamental truth of the reason everything exists. And as Gabby was speaking and, and we took the communion symbols, we needed step back a little bit and acknowledge the Jesus that we are worshiping, the Jesus that we are connected to. We're not just connected to a prophet or someone that we love, someone that did a beautiful thing that we are absolutely grateful for. We are in contact. We are connected to the author of life. We're connected to the essence of the whole universe. And this is the Jesus that we are preaching. This is the Jesus we are worshiping with all our hearts and lives. How lost we would be if we didn't have Jesus. And many of you can recall times where you weren't connected with Jesus. How it felt. How empty you felt. How lost you felt in life. But now we have Jesus. And this is the meaning, a very beautiful meaning of us being connected to the true vine. Jesus is the true vine. And this analogy of, uh, of the vine is an analogy uh, of the Christian life that transmits to us four important things. That's why I want you to get your notebooks. These are four very important things for us to go back to in the Word of God, for us to understand how meaningful this relationship with Jesus we have, and it's essential to our lives. So write them down as, as we go. And the first one um, that I want to explain is that back at a time, a, a vine could only exist if people were settled. If people were living in a stable and permanent society, and from the moment of planting, it took a lot of care uh, of, to the vine, and at least three years, at least three very long years um, for the grapes to be um, as in, with good quality for them to be used. So it, it, it was, the vine wasn't, the, uh, the grapes were not a fruit that was part of people that were nomads, people that would have to go and were always on the move. For a vine to exist, uh, people needed to have some sort of stability in their hearts and lives. And when Jesus says, I am the true vine, he is declaring that we can look up to him for us to have the stability and the security that we need in life. And we all need security and stability. For anything to grow, for anything to happen in our hearts and lives, we need stability. And one thing that we can acknowledge, even those who aren't Christians, is that there are not many few, there are not things in this life, in this earthly life, that can provide stability and security to you. Everything that exists on this planet is temporary. Everything uh, that exists is going to move on. Um, even the, our relatives or families or friends or jobs or health, everything is temporary. So don't, we cannot look for those things for stability and security in life. 
But the stability and security that Jesus is promising us is not earthly, is not material, it's spiritual. Jesus is this firm, firm house that cannot be shaken, that he's telling us, you can have complete security and stability in me. Jesus is this permanent home in us that can never be shaken. Many things may change in our lives, and probably you, you see so much in your life that has already been shaken, especially during this COVID-19 outbreak. But Jesus remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. There's nothing else on this earth that you can put your life, that you can fundament your life on. And Paul, in a very, very hard time for the church, he wrote this in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. He says, I ask God from the wealth of his glory to give you power through his spirit to be strong in your inner selves. And I pray that Christ will make home in your hearts through faith. I pray that you may have your roots and foundation in love. Paul is talking about something that is permanent. Paul is acknowledging that without Jesus, everything's going to get shaky. Everything's going to be confusing. Uh, it's not going to be possible for us to bear any fruit in life. But when we have Jesus, we are rooted in the truth. So my question for you this morning, where are you truly rooted? Maybe these last months have completely changed your reality. Maybe even changed your life. But... Jesus remains the same through the ages. We don't, we don't need to fall apart internally and emotionally and mentally every time something is taken away from us. Jesus is the one that offers us permanent stability. Jesus is a firm foundation. Jesus is going to last forever. And maybe you haven't felt this way, especially recently. Maybe you feel that uh, you're just being taken over by the waves and you don't feel that you have a firm foundation. Well, today everything can change in your life. Just go back to Jesus. Go back to the firm foundation that you receive in Him because He welcomes you in. He welcomes you to give and be the permanent foundation where you base your life at. The second thing about this analogy about Christian life is that Christian life is a life of growth and change. Organic things like a vine, they, come, they change all the time, especially from season to season. Everything that is alive will change, will mutate, and will grow. And all life goes through different seasons. And uh, we don't have to be right in the, living in, on the countryside. Just look outside of your apartment I can bet with you that you have at least one tree in the sidewalk. But that tree is constantly changing. It never remains the same. It will go through seasons where it's going to lose all its leaves. Probably it's going to look pretty much dead during the winter. It seems like nothing is happening there. But all of a sudden spring comes and with all the rain and all of a sudden new life flourishes because the tree is alive. And, and there's a, a life force that comes from the tree to the branches. And all of a sudden, the branches start going and moving into different directions and, and just growing life. And that's the exact thing that happens with us as Christians. As we receive 
the, the life that comes from Jesus, we're constantly changing. We're constantly moving. Jesus is, is not uh, looking for us to look exactly the same during all times because the work that he does in us will take us from season to season in order for us to bear fruit. And the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, uh, that for everything, there is a season. For everything. That means you and me as well. Everything goes through seasons. And uh, one, of, um, one of the things that we ask one another very frequently is, how are you? If you say hello, immediately, how are you comes next. And, and 99% of the times, you don't get a really, really honest answer. You get, I'm fine. I'm okay. And there's some sort of truth in that. But a more honest question would be, in which season are you at in life? Because we're all in different seasons. Maybe you're in a dry season. Maybe you're in a season where you feel that God is far away. You feel like completely depleted. You feel that, uh, as some Christians say, that this, the sky is, is uh, bronze. You can, uh, you can feel the Word of God. You can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. And the Bible says that we will go through these dry seasons in life. But maybe you're just in a waiting season. You're waiting for the right opportunity, for the right door to open. Maybe you're waiting for the, the godly person that you want to have a relationship uh, with. Maybe you're just waiting and tired of waiting, but that's the season you're in. Maybe you're in a grinding season where you're just busy. You're exhausted. There's just so much to do. There are not enough hours in the day. And there are seasons that are so intense in our lives that we just need to keep going and, and responding. But And we cannot say no. Even during this weekend, these past weeks, there are days that I'm so tired and exhausted, but I need to take care of Jade. And she will go everywhere. She wants to grab everything, electrical cables. That's, that's her thing. But I need to be constantly with her all the time. And sometimes we're tired, but it's not optional. There are seasons where we're going to be tired and exhausted. There will be seasons of trials, seasons of tests, things that come into our lives that are unexpected, things that we weren't planning as this outbreak, for example. And then we get confused. We don't know what to do next. We don't know what's going to happen. It really shakes our reality. It shakes everything that we know. There are seasons of spiritual warfare, seasons that you clearly know that the enemy is trying to put obstacles in your life. And the Bible says that we need to put on the full armor of God in a, in a very special way for us to withstand those attacks of the enemy. So my question for, for you is, in which season are you on? Maybe it's, uh, it's one of these seasons. Maybe it's a different season. Maybe it's a combination of these seasons. But the truth is, I want to tell you this morning, and the Word of God promises you, is that whichever season you're currently in uh, at this time, it's not going to last forever. It's just a season. The, and this season will change, and it will move to another one. The Bible says, and continues saying in Ecclesiastes 3, but verse 11, that God has made everything beautiful in its time. And I know that sometimes it's hard to wait. I know that sometimes it doesn't 
make it much sense to us, whatever it is that God is doing. Why am I going through this season? And why is this season lasting so for so long? But the Bible says that there is beauty in the result of what God is doing in your life. And maybe you've been you've already lived quite a few seasons with God to understand this. That the same God that showed his faithfulness to you in previous seasons, whatever season you're going through right now, he will continue to show his faithfulness. And you're going to be able to bear fruit for his glory. Our sufferings and our seasons are not random or pointless. At the right time, God will make everything beautiful. At the right time, that is outside of our control. And the Bible says this, that God has our times in the palm of his hands. It's not up to us to decide our times. And this brings us to point number three, that the Christian life is a life of satisfying productivity. Because good fruit doesn't just happen without a reason. It doesn't happen by chance. For a tree, any tree, for any bush, for anything that bears life, for any good thing to come, everything will need to go through different seasons. And for example, for us to have good grapes, good fruit, maybe to make good Portuguese wine, who knows. But the branches of the wine, they will have to withstand a lot during the seasons. I mean, during the fall, they will lose our, our, all of their foliage. Um, and during the winter, they will have to withstand the cold Many in many regions, even uh, the, um, even snow. And then during springtime, there's going to be rain, there's going to be uh, storms. But all of a sudden, after everything that has passed, and if you look at the, at the branches during those times, it seems like nothing is going to happen. This thing is dead. This, this thing can never, ever bear any more fruit. But all of a sudden, at the end of spring, and during springtime, you will start to see the leaves coming. And you will start seeing a little fruit coming out of the branches. And this talks to me so much about Romans chapter 5. This, this beautiful chapter that talks about the life of a Christian. And it says in verses 3 to 5, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces. Now this, we, we had a Dialogos uh, group this week. This is a, a thinker's group. This is a debate group that we had during the week. And we talked about suffering. And the Bible is very clear. It says, suffering produces. It has a fruit. And suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And I love this verse. And I, if you have a Bible, I want you to highlight this passage uh, that our sufferings, ultimately, they do not put us to shame. When the branches are withstanding the cold and the snow of winter and, and the rains and the storms during the spring, it looks dead. It looks shameful. And I know that many times as we go through those seasons, deep down we feel shame. 
If we're going through family problems, if, if we are struggling uh, financially, if we're struggling with our health, many times we, we are scared of sharing that with other people because deep down we feel ashamed that we as Christians are going through those hard times. If we're going through temptations and, and different trials, we, we feel, no, I, I will not share because I, I feel ashamed of it. And this, this is a weapon that the enemy uses against us more, more, more often than not. Because shame is paralyzing. But when we go through these sufferings, any sufferings that we may go in, through in life, the Bible says that God is able to pour His love in our hearts. And we know that the Bible says that love takes away all fear. God's love takes away everything that wants us to change our mindset, to, uh, to take captive our mentality and our trust in God that He is, has everything in control. No, we look at ourselves and we feel ashamed. But God's love is powerful enough to change all of that. So maybe as you go through your struggles and your difficulties, maybe you've been battling with shame. And you don't want to share with anyone what you're going through in life. But the Bible says that you can replace that shame with God's love. That God's love will take away all shame. As we understand that in the seasons that we're going through, in the things that are happening in our hearts and lives, God will allow us to bear much fruit for His glory. And we have to be thankful James say, we have to be thankful for our sufferings and our trials. We have to be thankful for the seasons. Because ultimately, it may not be satisfying to us, but we will be able to bear much fruit for the glory of God. And that's the whole point of us being branches. The last, the last idea that I want to transmit as I was um, thinking of what it means to be a branch connected to Jesus, is that Christian life is a life of total dependence. Nothing is truly accomplished in life if we are not connected with Jesus. And the Bible says, and let's go back and let's read again these three verses of John 15. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So this verse also tells us something for me that is, is very important. And we can see this clearly, not only in this passage, but in the whole word of God. Is that God takes care of us, not just internally, as we dwell, as we abide in Christ, this life-giving strength and, and, and uh, energy that comes from Jesus in, into us. But he also takes care of us externally. And he says that's the pruning hand of the Father. He is the vine dresser. He has a hand that's going to prune us. And I have a picture of pruning scissors. And I have to tell you, this is... The branch's worst nightmare, probably. It doesn't look very inviting. It doesn't look uh, very pleasant for the branches. But our Father in heaven, He is the vine dresser. He knows how to take care of the vine and its branches. 
So how does the Father prune us? And a beautiful promise that we have in these three verses is that the Father is not going to prune a branch that is not bearing fruit. The Bible says that He's going to take away those branches. Those branches are not doing anything there. But if we are connected to Jesus, the Bible says that we will bear fruit and the Father will come and He will prune us so we will be able to bear more fruit. So these scissors that we're looking at, these are this is not a threat. This is not something negative or judgmental that the Father is doing in our hearts and lives. He is actually being positive. He is identifying a fruit in us. He is identifying something good, something positive that Jesus is producing in us. But in order for us to bear even more fruit, this needs to take place. This is... This needs to happen in our hearts and lives. He will clean us so that the fruitful parts of our lives will continue to flourish even more. Now, this is, this is hard to accept many times because we look at our lives and sometimes we can even recognize the fruit and we say, wow, I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm happy with the fruit that I'm bearing. But the Father says, yes. That's what Jesus is doing in you, but I want you to bear more fruit. And then he's going to go into your life and he's going to take some things away. He's going to mess with you. He's going to change the look, your reality and how your life looks in order for you to bear more fruit. And you feel, and in a way you feel, I'm being depleted. I'm losing something. I'm, I don't have as much as I had before, but God, in God's perspective is, you're going to have and you're going to produce even more fruit for your glory. The fruit that you're bearing is going to be greater. It's going to be much better. And no question that the circumstances and the difficulties that we face in life, many times is God pruning us and cleaning us. And many times uh, it's not things that come out of nowhere. Sometimes he allows us to reap what we've been sowing for a while. And we have to deal with the consequences of our wrongdoings, of our bad attitudes. And it, this is a teaching tool for the Father. These are also pruning scissors that come into our lives. And we have to be grateful for those. But the primary tool that God uses to prune your life is the truth. As Jesus told his disciples, already you are clean or you are already pruned because of the word that I have spoken to you. God accomplishes the purpose for, um, for which God uh, has sent his, his word. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 that his word is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, judging the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. So the word of God is in fact the pruning uh, scissor, the pruning knife that the father is using. So maturity, usefulness will involve letting God as the vine dresser come into our hearts and lives with his word and allow him to change us. Allow him to take away wrong ideas, take away bad feelings, Take away information that is not necessary, information that is wrongful. And God will do that with his word. 
And when we accept God's word into our hearts and lives, when we understand that everything that Jesus spoke is the truth, is the truth that is needs to be the firm foundation of our lives. And when this truth comes into our hearts and lives, it's still helping us to settle. It's still giving us stability and security. And when we accept God's word, Jesus says that we are already clean by him. And this is a very, very powerful statement because many times we do not feel clean. Many times we, we don't recognize uh, the good things that Jesus is doing through our lives and we just focus on the negative. But Jesus is saying you are already clean. Regardless of if you are still struggling with sin, if you're still struggling with temptation, if you are having a hard time at work, if you don't see what God is going to do new in your family, but the Bible says you are already clean because you abide in Jesus. And Ephesians chapter 5, and let's go back to this letter. Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So as we live with Jesus, as we understand what Jesus is doing right now in our hearts and lives, first, Jesus loved the church. He loved us. He loves us. He still loves us. Regardless of how you find yourself today, He loves you. And the Bible says that He gave Himself up for you. He gave Himself up for the church. He went to the cross and He died in your place. He resurrected. He came back from the, the, the dead so that you can understand that Jesus is the one that gives meaning and purpose uh, to your life. But now... After Jesus did all of this to you, the Bible says that now He is sanctifying you. He is washing you with the water of the Word. He is saying that He still has purpose and He is still doing a work in your life through His Word. And that's why the Word of God is so important. That's why we need to be in the Word of God every single day. And we have to recognize when we are opening the Holy Book, when we are reading the Word of God, we are allowing the pruning hand of the Father to come into our lives and clean us and take away things that are not meant to be there. It's not something that we can accomplish for ourselves. It's something that God does for us as we dwell in Him. Remember this. Focus to be in the Word of God. Focus in abiding in Jesus. That is why we have to go back to the essentials this morning. That's why during the next uh, three weeks, we want to focus in what is really important to us as followers of Jesus, as children of God. And the invitation is there as you read this chapter 15. I invite you to read the rest of this chapter at home um, so that you can grasp this idea. But you see time and time again, at least 10 times in one version, Jesus says, abide in me, abide, remain, stay in me. That's the job that Jesus gave us. We need to be in him for anything 
to mean something in our hearts and lives, for us to be able to bear any good fruit in life, we have to be in Jesus. And we need to be intentional. And we need to be uh, uh, allowing the Father to prune and take away everything that is not worthy of Jesus. We are not branches that God is going to take away from the vine. You are a branch that belongs to Jesus. You are a branch that is already bearing fruit. If you are in Jesus, Jesus is inviting you, abide in me, remain in me. Don't remain on anything else. Don't seek anything else. Don't try to be so busy with producing and looking at your own fruit or looking at what other people are producing. Focus in abiding in Jesus. You're not alone when you're trying to figure out what to do after this COVID-19 situation. What am I going to do as I'm looking for a job? I don't know where are jobs for, for me. I don't know how this is going to solve itself. I don't know what God is going to do. You're not alone in your battle against sin, against temptation. We're not alone as we go through different seasons and, and we're trying to figure out what is happening and what, what about the fruit of my life is going to be. The Bible says we are not alone. We are in Jesus. We need to abide in Him. With all of these question marks in our heads, with everything that is going on, and the answer Jesus is giving us this morning is, abide in me. Just remain in me. Remain because these circumstances, definitely they want to take you away from Jesus. These circumstances are, are going to make you feel weak and isolated and, and completely and utterly alone. But the Bible says that Jesus is with you, that he is able to, to fill your heart with love. And his invitation to us this morning is just abide in me, rest in me, believe that I'm giving you life. Believe that the Father is pruning you, that he's taking care of you. And in the right time, you're going to bear fruit. Everything will make sense when we abide in Jesus. God is working in your heart and life right now to take you to the next season. He already knows what he wants to do next. And the pruning knife is coming and he knows exactly to, what take away in order to prepare for the next season. And we need to be grateful to the Father for that. God is already taking care of the next fruit that you're going to bear. Maybe it's going to be something that you never expected. Maybe it's something that you never thought it was you were going to be able to do. But the, the truth is when Jesus is giving you life, he's moving you. The branches are, are growing and he wants to take you individually and he wants to take us collectively as a church to wherever he wants to take us in order for us to bear fruit. But the challenge for us is this one. Just one job. Abide in me. Remain in me. And everything else in your life will flow from this relationship. Acknowledge this, everything in your life will flow from Jesus, the true vine, the true vine, the essence, the truth about the whole universe, the truth about everything that exists, everything comes from Jesus. So let's rest in Him, let's abide in Him, 
Let's be intentional in remaining in Him. Amen. I'm going to invite um, uh, Jamil and Don to, to prepare themselves for us to continue worshiping. Um, but as we do it, let me just pray for us this morning. Father God, we're so satisfied and so full of, of your word that you have given us this morning. Father, we are grateful that you are divine dresser, that you're taking care of our lives. You know better what to do. You know exactly what needs to be pruned. You know exactly in which season we're in right now. You know exactly why you are allowing this season to uh, in our hearts and lives. And Father, you, you know exactly the kind of fruit that you want to see in us. And thank you, Father, that you don't leave us alone. You don't leave us alone in our sufferings. You don't leave us alone in your pruning. You don't leave us alone as, as we dwell in these seasons and it seems many times that things are not making sense right now. But we are grateful for the promises of your word and thank you for sharing with us your plan. Thank you that we can already know exactly what you are doing. So then in this moment that we go through so many different seasons individually and collectively, we know that you are at work in our hearts and lives. And Lord, we're grateful that we are not alone. We're not alone trying to figure out things for ourselves. We're not alone trying to understand the work of your hands. You are doing a beautiful work in us. We're grateful for the beauty of your work in us. We're grateful that you accept us and you love us so much that you gave us Jesus, that you invited us to abide in him. And in the right season, we will see the fruit of our faith. We will see the fruit of us abiding in Jesus, Lord. So we are grateful for the life that comes from Jesus. We're grateful for the meaning that comes from Jesus. We are grateful that in, in good times and in bad times, Jesus remains the same. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to feel ashamed, Lord, of the seasons we go through. We belong to you. And it is still your life that is strengthening us. It is your life that is encouraging us. It is your life that is comforting us, even on, in the day of today, Lord. But I pray for us. I pray for us as a community. I pray for us individually, Lord, as we go through these seasons, as we uh, go through the unknown and we go through these seasons that many times we are depleted many times we are ashamed many times we are without strength many times we're just tired and exhausted Lord I pray that we will be able to abide in Jesus like we've never did before I pray that we will receive the life of Jesus more openly without any barriers Allow Jesus to give us the life that he wants desperately to give us every single day. I pray that we will accept the pruning hand of the Father. We will accept the God that gives and takes away. We will accept the God that has our lives in the palm of his hands. And he is welcome to do whatever he chooses to do. Because God, ultimately, we live for you. We live for your glory. We want our lives to bring you glory. As Gabby was sharing that our worship is not enough. Our lives are not enough 
We're not worthy of you, Lord. But if there is any way that we can bear fruit for you, if there is any way that we can honor your love, honor what Jesus did on the cross for us, if there is any way that we can point others to the fact that Jesus is alive and, and Jesus is the one that saves, Lord, we pray and we come to you and we say, Lord, use us. Lord, clean us. Lord, use us in ways that we haven't been used before. Lord, may Jesus take our lives and, and let us grow and multiply like we never did before. We pray, Lord, all of these things trusting that everything has a meaning and has a purpose that you define. And I'm, we're grateful, Lord. You are the God that we worship. You are the God that is worthy of our praise. And regardless of the season we're in right now, Lord, we choose to worship you. We choose to acknowledge you. We choose to see Jesus in the center of the universe and see that he is the reason for everything. And thank you, Lord, to be part of your life. Thank you for taking care of us so diligently, so lovingly. We give you the honor and the glory that only your name deserves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.